0: You're listening to From Heaven and Hope, a weekly podcast
1: where Nicole Fraser brings you conversations from those who have been affected by grief. Whether a parent, child, friend, counselor, pastor, or philanthropist. Everyone moves through and conquers grief in their own way. We know that what you're facing is a long road. But no matter
0: how dark that road is, there will always be light. There will always
1: be purpose. From where they are in heaven, to the hope you need to move forward, we want to help you on that journey. Here is today's episode. I am so happy to have my first guest here. Today we're going to hear from Rachel Terza, who is an amazing speech pathologist, mother and friend. She's one of the many mamas that you will hear from in the coming weeks and months that has been through the ringer, but you'll soon see that she truly has found the rainbows following her storm. So, here she is. Miss Rachel Terza. Hi, how are you? Hey, I'm good, thanks. How are you? I'm good. Um, okay, so for anyone listening at home, uh, Rachel and I do know each other um, and have for quite a while. Rachel's sister, Amy, is one of my closest friends. However, uh, Rachel and I are connected on a different way in a different way as well. We are part of that one in four statistic. We've both suffered uh, from pregnancy and infant loss. So Rachel, why don't you share with everyone a little bit about your story?
0: Sure. So um, yeah, my name is Rachel. I am um, 37 years old. Um, and I have quite a history um, in terms of fertility. My husband and I met way back when, when we were four, 15 or 16 years old and, um, And have been together since we were about 18. We got married in 2010 after studying abroad in Australia for a couple of years um, at a dream wedding in Mexico um, and started to try to have kids after that. Unfortunately, we had a miscarriage first, um, which was devastating, but we knew that we would keep trying and, and keep moving forward. Then we had in 2012, we had our son, Benjamin who's now eight years old and just a complete joy to us. After Ben, um, we decided to start trying for more kids again and had a a bit of a struggle, Um, but we did get pregnant again with twins in 2016. Um, Unfortunately, that is the one that ended in the most devastating loss. Um, We lost our twins in early December um, at 28 weeks gestation, due to a massive placenta abruption, um, and they were born. They were both born still. Um, after that, we um, had another miscarriage, um, and then in 2018, we welcomed our little rainbow baby, Mikaelin. Um, and she's now two and just an
1: absolute rainbow in our lives. <laughs> totally um when you uh, so when you gave birth to the twins and even in the miscarriage situations, um, did you have anyone in your circle or anyone you knew that you could lean on for support um, during those times? Um,
0: well, as you said we we knew each other before and and you had gone through something not at all the same but similar in terms of um, infant loss. Um, But we didn't know each other super well. Um, I also knew of another girl who had just had um, a stillborn. Um, But again, not not super well. Um, So it was hard. It was almost like, I didn't think it would happen to me knowing, already knowing other people that it had happened to you really feel like that that's not going to happen to me. And then it does. Mm-hmm. Um, I did get to meet another girl who, um, we were connected together who also suffered a mis- uh, stillborn, um, in late December of the same year. So we actually became instant friends and were able to lean on each other and are still awesome friends. So we have connected super closely through something so awful. Mm-hmm. Um, other than that, I leaned on family and close friends, but nobody nobody truly understands until they've gone through it and I don't wish it on anybody.
1: Right, of course. So you would say that you're, uh, you're, the person you look to the most for support is somebody that you connected with via, I'm not sure how you got connected, but the person you got connected with who had been through something similar.
0: Yeah, it was actually um, our photographer. She oh, okay. She reached out and she said that, she had another client who um, who had just suffered a loss too, and wondered if we if she could connect us. So, yeah, I would absolutely say the person that you could talk most openly with is somebody that has gone through it as well, because
1: they just get it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, as far as people who um, hadn't been through it, or like your general kind of friendship circle and family, what did you find the most helpful and not helpful in regards to support?
0: Yeah. So for me, and I know it can be different for all different people, but for me, it was the ability to talk about them, um, and to acknowledge that, that they were, Mm -hmm. um, it, it was the best when people, you know, brought them up in conversation without worrying that they were going to make me upset. So yes, it totally made me upset, but it, it may be upset in a good way because I could actually talk about them. Whereas when people didn't bring them up, it was like, they never existed,
1: which was yeah. even harder. Yeah. Yeah. So It like, was
0: almost a, it was a good upset. Like I, I wanted to be upset around my friends because it meant that, that I could talk about them.
1: Right, man. Yeah. That's, that's so true. Cause it, it doesn't change. They don't leave your mind. They're never gone from your present no so people are never going
0: to bring them up and and make me think about them because it's never going to be like that and right they're they're always there and I totally thought I was over this
1: no it's okay it always happens every time you kind of
0: uh, yeah
1: hopefully it it feels cathartic
0: (laughs) yeah it totally comes back but yes it's they are they are good tears it's good to still cry and still remember about them and and
1: still talk about them because I will talk about
0: them forever
1: mm-hmm yeah and you guys got uh tattoos or at least Chris did I think right yeah I did too. yeah we
0: yeah. uh yeah I got um their footprints on one on each wrist with their mm-hmm. birth dates because they did actually have different birth dates too which is kind of cool for twins so
1: that's so cool William
0: was born uh just before midnight and then Oliver was born um just after midnight so
1: that's cool yeah so cool um and do you want to just quickly, because it's just so cute, um, talk about Chris's tattoo and the the middle names, like the boys' middle names, like how you came yeah. up with those?
0: <laughs> yeah. So we uh, we had asked Ben. So Ben was three at the time, and we had asked Ben um, what he wanted to name his brothers when I was still pregnant with them, and he, out of nowhere, said "Happy Snowman." Uh, Cinderella and Happy Snowman (laughs) and we were like "Ah, yeah right like as if we would ever name like two boys Cinderella and Happy Snowman and uh and then when we were in the hospital and we were holding um our babies we kind of looked at each other and we were like well you know why not (laughs) so so yeah William William became William Cinderella Terza and Oliver became Oliver Happy Snowman Terza and I I laughed because someone way down the line is going to do our family tree and is going to find these babies (laughs) that have these names on our family tree. And, and they're going to wonder (laughs) what the hell we were thinking. (laughs) And, but it was just, it was, why not? Right. Like why not give Ben the chance to, to name his brothers? So
1: yeah.
0: Yeah. So Chris's tattoos on the back of his leg and it says we will, uh, till we meet again, um, one sun, we'll meet again one sunny day it's a quote from a song I can't think of it right now but um and then he has a little picture of a snowman and a little picture of a crown and uh That's
1: so yeah, cute they, yeah <laughs> and such a nice way for Ben to feel connected to them too right yeah because he yeah, exactly. as he we grows wanted- up who knows what he'll remember because he was little so
0: exactly yes. we wanted to make sure that um they will always be a part of our lives and and yeah this is Ben's way
1: of of being with them I think it's awesome when the, um, uh, complications happened with the twins. I remember where I was that night. Cause I was actually with Amy that night yeah. uh, and, and two pregnancy announcements came in one of twins and, uh, and then the, the next miscarriage that you had another two pregnancy came announcements came in that night. And I was with Amy that night too. So strange, yeah. uh, it was Shannon and I. And so I just wondered, um, based on that, how did you manage, uh, your emotions and the complexity of feelings with friends and family that were expecting without complication or seemingly and then you know until at least Michaela was born
0: yeah um you know it was hard I always I always kept saying to people um that I I could be happy for my friends but still sad for myself at the same time and I wanted people to to get that even if I was sad about it it didn't mean that I was sad for them because um you know a baby is is just the the biggest joy that anyone can have and I I would never ever take that um away from someone or that feeling because I don't want anyone to feel um like they can't talk about it to me so I always wanted my friends and my family to be able to let me know that they were pregnant and and I would be 100 percent supportive and happy for them um but yeah, there's always going, there would have always been a sadness inside me. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I still get it. So we just found out friends of ours are expecting twins, actually. And and there's still a little bit of a, a gut punch, right? Like, I think the word twins is just such a trigger. Mm-hmm. Um, and and I was open with them. And I said to her, I said, you know, I'm so, so happy for you. But like, the word of twins just brings back every single rush of emotion and feeling and everything else and and am I excited to meet these twins absolutely like, the, like I can't wait for them um mm-hmm. but there there's always going to be a, a a hit of of feelings when I hear the word twins um after Michaelin came I, I feel like maybe it eased off a little bit and other people like I was noticing every single pregnant woman that walked past me mm-hmm. in the, that first year before we tried again. And, um, I feel like I'm probably not noticing that as much, but yeah, I would still say pregnancies and especially the word twins is still a trigger. Mm-hmm. So no do you what.
1: do you avoid it or do you have kind of tactics to kind of like get you through?
0: um no I don't I don't avoid it I don't think I think that it's it's almost a a nice way just for me to remember them each and every time so now every time I see someone that's pregnant or someone has a pregnancy announcement I I get that feeling of love for them inside as you said they're they're never out of my mind but it brings them them fresh and and I get the chance to kind of really think about them and and bring them to the forefront of my mind and and really cherish that I did have them for a short amount of time even though it wasn't wasn't at all what we wanted or hoped or, or dreamt um but at the same time I also have to I have to know that Michaela maybe wouldn't have been here if if what happened didn't happen and it's it's a really hard thing for me to kind of wrap around my head because I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't change what happened. To, I would change what happened to the twins if I could, but I wouldn't change Michaela either. So it's, it's, it's almost a constant battle in my head because how can I, how can I want to change what happened to the twins without wanting to, to
1: change, change. So Yeah.
0: Yeah. So it's, it's a, it's a battle, but.
1: Yeah. I understand that battle. I, I struggle with that same mentality, right? Like if, if everything worked out, life would probably feel a little less painful, but then I wouldn't have Kyla. So I understand. Right. It's and totally and you wouldn't,
0: same. you wouldn't change it. So yeah, yeah. I, it, it's hard to articulate that battle because again, people that don't get it, don't get it.
1: Yeah. And even, even if you have suffered a loss and then like, that was like, you weren't having any more or like, there wasn't, I mean, that's equally as sad, but just the sort of conflicting in your mind is a little bit different because you yeah. can just say it wasn't supposed to happen, but it's hard to say that. Right. When you have good stuff happen after two. So, within your marriage, did anything change? Do you feel like you grieved differently? How do you think you managed through, I mean, both the miscarriages and the, the birth of the twins? I would imagine the birth of the twins would be the most straining, but.
0: Yeah, um, we definitely grieved differently.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, I think Chris grieved more internally, um, and I grieved more externally. Um, the social worker at McMaster Hospital did tell us, um, to really stick together because she said stuff like this can rip marriages apart. And I think that, um, that kind of always stuck with me. So even when things got tough, um, I kind of would never let it get so tough that we didn't talk to each other. Mm -hmm. Um, Chris and I are also just very different people in general. So, I'm very, very open and chatty and always want to tell my story and, and you know, get it out there for the world in hopes that um, I can ease someone else's pain slightly or bring awareness or anything else or any positive that could come out of such a crappy situation. Mm-hmm. Um, whereas he holds everything inside. So I kind of always had to remember that and tell myself that, that was okay too even though it wasn't the same Mm -hmm. um because it it probably could have ripped us apart in all honesty it probably it probably very easily could have um uh changed our relationship for the worse and I I thank the social worker for letting us know that like in advance that it could have happened that way because it gave me that insight to give him the chance to grieve in his way too and not not hold it against him, yeah, because it was very, very different,
1: yeah, and do you feel like now, like you know it's been a couple of years, and you have McCalin and the, there's been kind of other things that have happened, do you feel like now you're you're sort of in a place where you' it's like it's it's not as complicated, it's not as oh
0: absolutely painful. Yeah. yeah, yeah, I definitely time does does heal, but it never heals totally
1: mm-hmm.
0: so. Yeah, I would say, in, especially between Chris and I, like, we don't have that constant, achy, awful, broken hearted feeling all the time that we're having to battle on top of everything else. Mm-hmm. It's just that dull ache. I don't know if you read um, the poem that I put up or the the um, thing that I put up very recently about the stones.
1: Um, I can't um, remember. So anyway, it's on my Facebook. If you okay. want to, I'll pull it, it. I'll pull it and put it on the website when we yeah. when post this. So at that point, you had uh, Ben, and he was just a toddler. Did he have any adjusting to do? Um, was there adjustments that he had to make? Did he have any questions, or was he kind of oblivious, being as little as he was?
0: Um, I would say he was fairly oblivious. Um, again, we were very um, aware of wanting to keep the twins um in our lives so we we kept talking about them as hard as it was so that he kind of grew up knowing about them and he does so he's he now you know talks about his brothers i i don't think he remembers he was too young i don't think that um he fully gets it still at eight i think again he he won't get it unless something awful like this happens to him which i hope and pray obviously it doesn't um but I I don't think he was overly aware I think he he more felt the um the struggle that we were going through in terms of how we were parenting so it was difficult for us to turn off our grief and be fully happy for him especially being around Christmas time Mm -hmm. um and I mean we we, it's the whole, like, fake it till you make it, right? We did our best, but I'm sure he felt that we weren't the same parents as we were just before. So um, I'm sure he did feel it, but I'm hoping that we we were able to fake it enough that he didn't have any long-term yeah.
1: issues. And did you, so speaking of Christmas, did you do, do, did you and do you do anything special for the twins at Christmas or on their birthday or... Anything
0: yeah like so we um we we do something every year for their birthdays it's always something different um but we do try to celebrate with some sort of cupcake or um cake or something for their birthdays uh this past year we went to the light display in um niagara falls at the um safari niagara the drive through mm-hmm. um which was really cool because there was actual um cinderella and snowman displays everywhere mm-hmm. so we felt super connected to them. It feels like there's there's something that can connect us to them everywhere we go. But yeah, we, we try to celebrate them at, ever on their birthdays. Um, and then at Christmas time we always try to do um, some sort of photo that um, includes them. So we've got some teddy bears for them and um, we've got little teddy bears that my mom gave us that's a little Christmas teddy bear, um, two together uh, with Christmas hats and stuff on. So we always put them out every year and and think about them.
1: That's awesome. So for anybody who's listening, who's trying to support like a friend who might be grieving um, whether it be child loss or really anybody, what do you think you would tell, or what would you do for somebody who is going through something similar or grieving? Is there something would make you feel particularly supported um, when you were struggling?
0: Yeah, I would find out what, um, what kind of person they are. So I have another friend who lost a baby um, later on and she was the total opposite to me she did not want to talk about it at all um, so what I would do is kind of find out what kind of um, what kind of griever your your friend is and then um, do whatever they need so if they need someone to talk about their loss then absolutely be there and talk about it even if it's difficult for you to talk about it but if they need you to not ask about it then just be there to support them and talk about other things and just just be there. I really like the people that just dropped in and had a cup of tea with me and, and chatted. And for me, talked about them was the best. But I, I really do. Going through this, I see that there are people that don't want to talk about it too. And that's, it's okay. So I, I really, as much as it, it's hard for me, because I want to talk about it to everyone in the world, I know mm-hmm. that, I know that that's not the same.
1: Yeah, that's great. That's great advice. Um, so when moving on to your pregnancy with McKaylin, did you find that you were then more anxious and worried throughout your pregnancy and how did you manage those feelings if you felt that? Cause at that point you would have had the, like you would have lost the twins, but had two miscarriages as well. So how did you kind yeah. of navigate that? Uh,
0: yeah, the anxiety was definitely, definitely high. Um, I have a fantastic doctor. So my, my family doctor also delivers. Um, so I have had him since I was little and, um, and his support was, was huge. And he, he took in all of my anxiety and all of my feelings. And so I did my own research um, and I kind of let him know that I wanted to see um, the doctors in uh, Mount Sinai, the placenta doctor. Um, and he was all for it and, and sent me there. So there was a lot more appointments, um, which sometimes made the anxiety higher. But also, um, it also helped because you got to get that reassurance way more often.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, and I was actually able to share care. So half of my care was still with my family doctor. And then the other half was with Mount Sinai until um, we got past the 20-week mark, in which case they kind of could let us know for sure that the placenta was doing well and there's a certain point and and they kind of know if the placenta is going to start to fail or if it's not Mm -hmm. so once we got to that point we were able to be transferred back home to our family doctor for the whole time so I would say that the anxiety was always there because once you've had a late term loss you you know the stories of all the things that can happen and Mm -hmm. and it's it's scary it's really really scary all the awful things that can happen. And then at 37 weeks, we found out that she still hadn't gone head down. And so we were booked in for a C-section the next day or two days later or something because they didn't want me to um, run the risk. She was laying sideways. And the risk is that if I go into labor, then the court can come out first and can cut off all blood supply. Mm -hmm. So knowing all my history and everything else, then they decided that taking her a little bit early um, was better for my mental health as well as as her physical health. Mm-hmm. Um, so of course, your anxiety goes through the roof again, because, you know, she's another, another possibly difficult birth, but those feelings all disappear in terms of, of pregnancy anxiety the minute that you meet your little baby and then out comes the, oh my goodness, I have another baby that I have to look <laughs> after and keep alive. And so all those anxieties come in. But yeah, I would say that the anxiety was definitely higher through her pregnancy, but I I kept telling myself that um, everything was going to be okay.
1: And and that seemed to help. That's awesome. And so as McKaylin gets older, and as Ben gets older, do you, do you find it bittersweet? Do you feel like you're thinking about the twins and where they would be? Or, or do you not? Do you associate them with someone completely different?
0: Oh, absolutely. Uh, everything I do, I think what would our life have been like with possibly four children or three children or all boys, or um, I go to the school and I see the, the kindergarten kids going in and they would have gone to school last September. And I, I think where we would have been then and, and this pandemic and everything else and thinking, Oh my goodness, I would have been homeschooling three boys with possibly a toddler running around or, and it, it just, there's, there's definitely bittersweet days. There's definitely days that I laugh and think, I honestly don't know how I would do it. Mm-hmm. Um, and then there's days where there's lots of pain too. And I think that, oh, like what th- they could be doing this. or w- one might be a hockey kid or one might be a soccer kid and, and and the wonder of what would be. Um, but I am able to, to be very, very, very happy
1: yeah. with what
0: I have and so, so grateful for what mm-hmm. we have. So it's, it's mixed emotions
1: and, and it will always be mm-hmm. mixed emotions. So do you have any like strategies or things that you do to kind of kick yourself out of those like sad moments or is it just being grateful for where you are now?
0: Um it's pretty much just being grateful for what I am at now, where I am now. I do I do give myself the time to grieve if I need it still. So my little moments alone, maybe like being in the shower or um driving in my car by myself, I definitely give myself those times to to be sad because it's important to still, to still feel it. Mm-hmm. It's not going to go away. And if I, if I just keep tucking it away and, and getting rid of it, then it's going to come out like a volcano Yeah, at some point. So it's so important to give myself the chance to, to be sad because you know what, it's something to be sad over and it's something I'll be sad over forever. So.
1: Yeah. And there's no expiry date on grief. You're just going to kind of feel it when you feel it, but as long as you can kind of move through it, that's, I mean, that's all you can do. Yeah. 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 Um, uh, Do you want to talk a little bit? You've done a couple um, like initiatives in their honor, like fundraisers and things. Do you want to maybe share a bit about that?
0: Yeah, sure. So we, um, uh, one year after their birth, I decided that I wanted to give back to McMaster. Um, I had such strong feelings about my care. I had such wonderful care at that hospital and um, I couldn't have thanked the doctor's and the nursing staff um, more. It's so- very true.
1: It's very true. They're very <laughs> special.
0: <laughs> and so I decided I wanted to give back, and I wanted to give back to um, the neonatal unit and um, and help support the babies that did make it. So um, I we did a fundraiser, and, and half of our fundraising money went to the neonatal unit, and then the other half of our money went to support um, other families that have gone through grief um, because they also put on twice a year they put on um, a, uh, like a remembrance celebration for families, and you can go in, and you can uh, listen to others speak, and you can light a candle for them, and it, it's, it really, really helped me, um, so I wanted some of the money to go towards that, and make sure that they could continue doing that for other families ongoing, um, so we did a fundraiser, and we raised, I think we raised 5000 just over $5,000 the first year. And then the next year we did an online auction and raised over $6,000. So it was really, really, really great to, to give back. Mm-hmm. I hope to do another one in the future, but again, having Michaela and then the whole pandemic just threw a wrench in everything.
1: <laughs> I feel you. I feel you on that one. So, we, we were doing something as well and had to put it on hold, but yeah, it so is what it we'll, is.
0: <laughs> we'll do something again, but yeah, yeah, it, it was also kind of nice to take a step back and, yeah. and just deal with life as it is right now. But we sure. we will always we will always give back.
1: Yeah, uh, us too. And uh, actually for anyone listening on uh, April 20th, we're going to be recording with uh, one of the reps from the foundation at Mac. So she'll be talking a little bit about initiatives that people can do and ways to make you feel better, what the hospital awesome. could use, that kind of stuff. Are there any resources that you found particularly helpful, like books, um, podcasts, anything like that, either like when you were in the thick of it or afterwards, is there anything that you would look to for support or for help?
0: Yeah. You know what? There was a fantastic book called the exact replica of the figment of my imagination, I think, or something like that. Okay. Um, And it is, it was a book about um, a woman who had suffered a loss. And then almost exactly a year later, she had a baby and um, it was, so she, she was an author and, and she was able to write everything that I was feeling and able to articulate it in such a way that it just stood out to me. And, and I read it and I sobbed my way through the entire book, but um, it really, it really made me, it was a book that I was able to then pass on to my family and friends so that they could read and they could kind of feel what I was going through without me having to find the words because I, I felt like I couldn't articulate it as well as she did. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it was a fantastic book and, and written in a way um, that was an easy reader for anybody
1: to read it. And that's good advice actually to give people that don't understand, um, but that care about you a way to kind of understand what you're feeling without you have to go through the exhaustion and um, like emotionally exhausted task of, of telling them like. Yeah, exactly.
0: I just, I'm not an author and I, I don't have the perfect words to articulate how I feel. And, Mm -hmm. and I just feel like I want to, I want to be able to tell my story in the most perfect poetic way, but it just doesn't come out (laughs) to showcase my feelings. It really, it's hard.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think it's great. So thank you so much. This has been awesome. Before we go, is there anything that you want to share? Anything that we missed? Anything you want to say to anybody who's listening? Uh,
0: No, I don't think so. But I'm always happy to be an ear for somebody that needs it so if anyone you know needs someone that's gone through it and needs a support I am 100% here and I will leave my contact details with Nicole and anyone can reach out if they need someone because I do get it and I I just I feel like I want to support as many women families couples as I can to get through this because you you will get through it. It it will be tough and it will continue to be tough and it will always be a part of you, but you, you do move forward. I don't think you ever move on, but you
1: do move forward. Totally agree. Thanks so much. So there you go. Some pretty fantastic advice and perspective from a fellow angel mama herself. Um, if you want to check out anything about Rachel, you can review our show notes page on the, from heaven and hope podcast website. Take care everybody.